Hello, and you're listening to The Seventh Reel. This week, Russian Ark and Long Day's Journey into the Night. Uh, mm-hmm. The Russian Ark is a 2002, they call it an experimental historical drama. Well, it's kind of just a straight up experimental film, in my opinion, directed by Alexander Sokorov. And Long Day's Journey into Night is a 2018 neo-noir, mm-hmm. I guess. That's, I think that's the best classification. Neo-noir directed by Chinese director Begon. The theme this week is Wonners. Mm-hmm. Movies, both of these movies employ long takes to an extensive degree. In Russian Ark's case, that's the entire film that is shot in the long take. And in Long Day's Journey into the Night, it's separated into two segments. We're a 50 minute long, long take. But it does when he's like, it zooms in on the hands and it's like, what are you doing? Yes. Yeah, so that's. Wait, that's them clearly. setting things up. Yeah, yeah, that's clearly them setting things up. Oh, I, I th- what did you think, Yusuf? Well, I okay. To be honest, I don't know. I I really enjoyed Russian arc. Like, really, really enjoyed it. I thought it employed it in a much more creative way. Because mm-hmm. I I think the thing with those winners is I think the only way they feel properly utilized is if it's kind of like you're sort of like eavesdropping on someone. That way, it makes mm. it seem like oh, okay. It makes sense. Like you're in someone's head. And you're like kind yeah. of just in the corner and moving around and and being uh, actual like the uh, I I want to like I want to watch the Russian arc movie on VR. <laughs> it just felt like it was perfect mm-hmm. for that kind of experience, and that it goes through such a like a, it has like a mis- mystical kind of mythical yeah, experience. Time is compressed. Uh, one room is one, one period. The next room is another. Yeah, um, and the floating aspect of it is what, like, yes. for me, was sealed the deal. I was like, okay, this is perfect for this type of yes know, movie. Did you notice how it's like for a two thousand two movie? This is one of the I think they shot it with like the big, most high resolution digital camera they could find. Okay. So this film, it's yeah. So this film looks very, it looks crystal sharp. Right, mm-hmm. it doesn't have any of the film because it's it's all done digitally, mm-hmm. and apparently because they have to, they don't want to compress any of the digital files. Trailing behind the cameraman is literally another guy holding this huge ass hard disk, no way. where the film is like directly streamed into it, the hard drive, so it's not compressed or anything. Wow. Yeah, that's and that's and so therefore they can only have like an 80, 88 minute or eighty minute record time before the disk is completely full. Mm-hmm. Apparently, this is like the third take of the day. No, no, no. So, because it's in St. Petersburg, so in, it's in winter as well. So, like, they have four hours of sunlight oh. a day. So, they decide to choose a day like that to film on. Mm-hmm. So, they have, like, max two takes. So, right. they do the first take and something messes it up. So, they have, like, the second take, they're like, this is it. We only have this take. <laughs> oh, my Like, God. everything is on that's this. That's so stressful. And that's the one we see. And you still see them, like, screw up a little bit. Um, like with the little soldiers marching, they were like marching out of tune, and I think some um, they redubbed all of the audio mm-hmm. because, like, I think they fl- uh, some of the actors flubbed their lines, so everything's done in like oh, yeah. post. That that could uh, I could sometimes tell that, but mm. the guy, the main guy, not the main guy, I guess the yes. guy you're following with him, he's such an asshole. <laughs> yeah. He's apparently based off this uh, French diplomat who visited Russia uh, back in those days, and this and this French diplomat was very on. Like he thinks that Russia, you know, when he says that these are the Russians are all actors putting yeah. on a show up 
European austerity. Um, that's kind of what he, how he feels. He feels like everything in Russia, it's like this isn't Asianic people, oh, but they are trying to appear European, and he despises that. Yeah, that um, I, I, I kind of cringed the whole way through because it reminded me of me, like, talking to my dad <laughs> about Egypt. <laughs> so, so I was like... Really? Yeah, but, How so? Because I'm, I'm very, like, anti, like trying to westernize the whole thing i don't know like people celebrate christmas here like they're like it's like an actual holiday here i don't i don't get it and i get so mad i don't get that i'm like why are you playing christmas (laughs) music in the mall here it sucks it doesn't even work over (laughs) there why why would you want to do it here so so i so i was like kind of on his side with some Mm. of it but i at the same time i was like Oh, come on, jackass. These people are trying their best. Just let them have their art and enjoy it. Why are you being all like, oh, this is under Napoleon. So, you know, I don't know. He made me mad. My favorite part of movies was when he walked into the modern gallery. He walks into modern day and mm-hmm. starts like having a hissy fit yeah. over the way they put, they put, they curate the paintings. Yeah. He's like Cleopatra mm-hmm. underneath like Christ. Like, he's like, what the and he's just like losing his mind i i um, almost lost my mind when he was uh interrogating that kid when he was like bullying yeah him. it's like oh. it's like you don't know who he's, you don't read scripture so how do you yeah I, I like that um there's a lot more uh it's very reflective mm-hmm. and which was kind of and the way the camera kind of drifts and meand not really meander but floats around is very similar to that's why I th- that's why I thought about Long Day's Journey into Night mm-hmm. because the way the camera seems like this observer, this dreamy observer, just floating through time and space. But okay, I want to do a segment about questions. Yes, Yusuf's questions. Questions. So Yusuf's questions. Why Why do you guys think he uh, he's following this guy? And mm-hmm. why What is the central premise? Like, is it? Uh, someone's soul floating away and why is it you know guiding this other guy or being like some tour guide i thought the narrator like the narrator is like the 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 voice of like the russian of a of the average russian people Mm -hmm. that's kind of how i feel like the way the guy you're mm -hmm. following isn't russian no yeah yeah, he's based off this french europe oh why I guess it's like the outsider. Yeah. I guess I'm maybe showcasing to the mm-hmm. outside world, mm-hmm. like outside of Russia. But but why wouldn't you like just uh, pick a, a more kind of uh, likable or like a cur- kind of a mm. more curious? This guy seems like he's versed enough in Such that a kind dick. of stuff, <laughs> and also yeah. yeah, like a real dick about it. He's like, oh, this of course, blah blah blah, and I know this. And when he was like. Toward, like kind of playing with the blind lady like putting her in mm-hmm. that made me want to just puke i was so sad <laughs> <laughs> i think that the a lot of that is um i think maybe the filmmaker himself feels like this is like a critique of russia and like hence the name russian arc right mm-hmm. the winter palace is like an arc of the, all the history that came before that is washed away no but an arc as in like the noah's arc was where all the animals were preserved while the rest of the world was washed yeah. away mm-hmm. So it's like, within the confines of this palace, like okay. Russia can still be what it was, you know, before communism. Um, <laughs> I think that's the big thing, right? Yeah. It's like communism. This ideology is, is what washes everything else away. What Russia was, and whether that it deserved to even be preserved is, I think, that's why they have the French character in here to interrogate whether any of this, this facsimile, this pretension of European culture, is even worth preserving. 
Mm-hmm. Or should it just be like washed away right from like the rest of it? I mean, I can say like like as like because I've been, so I don't think the film can actually capture like the opulence of the place. Like I've never seen something so opulent in my life when I went there. Like I go to all these like country houses in the UK, nothing as compared since. Like everything is just mm-hmm. like, well, it's nice, but it's not like the Hermitage. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's like incredible, and I you can't really catch it Hmm. and it is funded by the state museum so they are in a sense like promoting their collection and not in a way that's like pure propaganda no but i think they're just maybe getting people interested Hmm. in the history or something i don't that i mean that's that's a good i mean it's not propaganda but it definitely does like kind of Remember when he was, like, interrogating him or, like, chastising him about his nationalism? He was like, oh, yeah. why are you so, you know, don't get so offended. Don't get so offended. Yeah. It's like, you and your nationalism. Yeah, like, okay, but that is, fun. like, they're, like, building a huge museum here, like, for for all the mm. artifacts and stuff, and it's supposed to open up mm-hmm. next year. And there's that aspect to it where it's like, okay, this isn't like propaganda, but it's definitely something <laughs> that it is about. Well, I think it's also like, you can say like this is all like pretension, but at the same time, I think the film, the way like the camera lingers on the art, right? Mm-hmm. It moves across it almost lovingly to capture, like to really show you like, there's a reason why it's there. There's a reason why people are like enamored by it. And it's like the way it captures you. But is is Just that like, reason I, something that it has to do more with like Russian identity, or is it just like purely wealth and opulence? Like Michelle was like saying, it's kind of a normal. Because yeah. like the communists could have destroyed this. Yeah, they could have done, but they didn't. I don't know why. Maybe because it's so beautiful. Well, it's like that. Expensive. It's like it's like when uh, in World War Two, when the Nazis were ordered to burn down all the uh, oh, all the churches, no, not Notre Dame, right? And they couldn't bring themselves to do it. I don't know if that's it. true, though. Well, it's yeah. Julie Delpy. <laughs> Julie Delpy said it, so <laughs> it must <Trilogy>. be true. <laughs> it's probably. How would you, why would she lie? Because <laughs> of that hunchback. Um, <laughs> he was he was up there. Mm. Oh, because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he stopped Nazis. <laughs> he stopped them. It's the, that's the sequel. well because like the way the film kind of transports yourself through time i think at one point they were talking like you see see these men in like relatively modern day suits Mm -hmm. yeah they're talking about whether they should preserve it and whether they should like whether it's if it's even worth right whether if we even recognize it i guess the same value Mm. If we're preserving it just because it's beautiful, or are we preserving it because of its, its because its history? See, but then it's also like at that point in like early twentieth century, mm-hmm. then the question of art, like why does art need to be beautiful, is becoming a big question mm. when you've got like modernism and abstraction coming mm. into play. Mm-hmm. So you know that's also adding into that. Mm. Yeah, he does talk about that. It's like such naturalism. Yeah. I, I just think it's so like impressive that he is it's not just like a one shot movie that in of itself is incredibly technically impressive it's also ideologically I feel very complex mm-hmm. like he has something to say and he's using this like because it could easily be seen as a gimmick I think other movies like when they do that I usually have yeah, my like, hands a little um, bit because they don't do it as they don't do it as well and en- like, I'm like why are you guys doing void this or uh, but, yeah I mean, yeah, 1917, I think, is the most egregious example of like, why are you doing this? And then they break the rule, anyways. They cut. Like, I'm like, okay, whatever. Yeah. yeah 1917 was, I think, the most like, it's like, why? Is it just like the visual gimmick? 
or does it or do you actually have something to say i just i can i think i can get a sense of just how big this entire palace is oh it's massive it's massive right see it in a day it's too big like the movie like the camera literally never stops moving and you just go from one huge room into the other like it's crazy i think i got because the first time i watched it i didn't know that much about russian history Mm -hmm. now like now i know more so like the reference always like Anastasia, the stuff with Catherine yeah, the Great. Yeah, Catherine the like, Great, Peter the Great. And Nicholas the First. Oh, I know these people. And it's mm. kind of like they make references to what's going to happen to them. Mm, yeah. You kind of get more from it. I still don't know that much about Russian history, but I did like, you know, there there are certain names that, you know, you can recognize. Yeah, because like the family at the end are the Romanovs. Yeah. Like you see them, yeah. He's like, oh, I know what happens to them. <laughs> but that is, see, that's the thing that if, if like the Jackie movie was like that, or I'm sure that Spencer movie, if it's a, if it's like the Diana movie, mm-hmm. it's a, if it's like that, that that it works because you feel like you're just like you know getting a glimpse of it and you're really mm-hmm. there and you're like just eavesdropping on it and it's so good. Yeah. It works And so the way the well. camera kind of peeks over people's shoulders. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's, there's so many people, like, the camera, even the cameraman is in, like, part of, like... on your tiptoes, and it, it goes Yeah, it goes up, up on the tiptoes. down a bit when like, it's so good. on the tiptoes. It's so good. But then you can see, like, you know, sometimes... it's. I love that you can see, like, there is a camera behind it. Sometimes it lurches a little bit. And I'm like, oh, this guy's trying to find his footing. And <laughs> they, they have to keep going, but they have to keep going. I thought, because the end is, like, basically all of... Yeah, all the, the time. The history leaving. The yeah, everybody comes out together. Different periods start melding together as they all exit the palace. But when, like, the entrance to the museum is where they left. So, like, where they left, you, uh-huh. go, you go in and you see it all. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was good, though. Awesome. But, okay, so now, uh, what do you think about, like, uh, it compared to Long Day's Journey tonight? Both of these are the fact i think the idea of inevitability i'm going to bring it back to the idea of inevitability that time will never like time history will consume us all time will keep moving on and i love the idea like it's because of the wonder because it never stops you do feel like history won't slow down for these people Mm -hmm. i think that's kind of the thematic purpose of framing as a wonder and long day's journey into night the wonder i'm is very much his a dreamscape the camera becomes the dream cinema and because there's so many i First of all, I want to say I love this movie so much. I've seen it at least like four times already. Yusuf, I brought, I dragged you to Tiff Light, uh, yeah, but <laughs> to I the light box it. to see this. Yeah, it's kind of like a reverse Mulholland Drive because in the first half, you know, how in Mulholland Drive, the first act is the dream, and the second act is kind of like when she wakes up. Only in this case, it's kind of like, it's all flipped backwards. Like the first act is him, the waking hours of, of like what him him trying to piece together his past, trying to find this woman, and the second half. Is him dreaming and realizing, I think realizing that it's, he can't find her. It, the past, like there's no point in dwelling on the past, but maybe in dreams we can preserve it for just a little bit. We can, because, pre- yeah. What did you think about the structure of the film when you first, when you, when, like knowing nothing about it and then probably knowing just maybe it's like maybe a noir? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I was confused the whole way. <laughs> okay. I gotta okay. say, I was confused as well. But watching it, I guess, again, uh, was easier. And then I kind of enjoy, like, oh, I enjoy Norse. So this is, like, a fun mm. spin on that. And very self-aware. Mm-hmm. 
I think it's very self-aware. People are like, you're a detective? Or are you coming back to <laughs> Multiple characters reference him, like, what, like uh, refer to him as a detective. There are multiple lines in the movie where they talk about how cinema, only in cinema can you actually, like, realize your dreams. And what is it? Like, dreams are just, like, uh, un- unrealized memories. And only in cinema can they actually become clear and we can imbue them with meaning. Which is kind of what I think the second act of the film is all about, the second part. Because uh, everything that's in the first part, all the dialogue that they mention, like whether whether it's regard, in regards to his past, his mother, his unborn son, all of that comes back in the second part of the movie. Because um, in the tunnels, he meets a boy who plays ping pong, and then he mentions in the first act of the film, you hear him mention that if he has a son, he would like to teach him ping pong. And then, like, the boy is both, like, his unborn son and the ch- his childhood friend who got murdered because he named some wildcat at the end. It's so many, so many little, like, so many things come back. I think it's, I, I think it's a wonderful depiction of how dreams, our dreams are just broken pieces of memory. Like, that feel familiar being kind of mishmashed and stitched together. This is what I got from the movie. I was like, oh, okay, it's, that's, it's kind of clever. And they realize it's in the, in the, only in cinema, only through cinema can we actually try and like trying to parse parse through all of it to try and discern whether it has actually has any meaning or not. I feel like I need to watch it again. <laughs> yeah, I I kind of feel the same way. Cause like when we I was watching it with Arvin, he kept saying, "Oh, like this music is talking about dreams or something," and mm-hmm. it's like adding to the scene. But like if you're not you can't speak Chinese, yes. you can't understand that. So you're kind of missing out. And then there's like a poster at the end, which was like, what was Pamela or something yeah, on Pamela, it? Yeah. Like, you know, that was in Chinese. She didn't know it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, having some cultural background and understanding language helps a little bit in that for a good part, I couldn't understand what 50% of what the characters say in this movie in Long Day's Journey Wait, Tonight. Really? Because it's so, yeah, mm-hmm. because their accent is so strong. Oh. It's such a strong dialect. And that plays into part of the story because he's it's all about him trying to search for a woman, right? And, then, and when he first meets mm-hmm. the woman, he's like, you're not really from here. She's like, no, I can do the accent. Mm. But when so when he meets her in the dream, she doesn't have the accent. She talks normally. She has a standard Chinese accent. Uh, um, it's like, oh, that's who she really is. Because see, in the, throughout the, the entire movie, they see like, yeah. yeah, they say like, yeah. oh, she lies and she makes up stories all the time. So like maybe in this dream, I think like to to for, for me, it's like the the woman that he meets in the dream is what he mo- he guesses what she really is like. Then um, that's then because the moment that he knew may not even be who she claims to be because she lies all the time or she just makes things up. Um, so it, only through the dream would she be able to parse it all to get. Would would he be able to make sense of her to get to actually know her? Um, that's I thought that was really cool. Yeah, and also like towards the end when they're walking through the uh, the concert, there's like a little little concert that's happening. The lines that the, the songs were singing is that now that we're all now that we're all asleep, we can rest, we can uh, we can live happily in dreams. So like it's much. It's I think it's a little too obvious that that line is there, but I think for the for the viewer, um, I guess it's just one last coda to reinforce that like, this is not real. This is just him fantasizing it. Also, the cinematography. This is one of my favorite. In my opinion, one of the best move, best looking movies ever made. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's basically Tarkovsky on even trippier. Um, there's so many references to Tarkovsky. Actually, there's a great reference, visual reference to Stalker. Oh yeah, with the glass with the glass on, on the, the table. table. That's the that's the reference to the last shot of Stalker. And there's stuff of like the camera drifting through water that is very similar to the opening shots of Solaris. 
So, so obviously the director Vigan is a big fan of Tarkovsky, and I, I really appreciate that. Cinema as poetry, right? Cinema as like uh, a, a stream of consciousness ideas. That's why. That's so cool. Yeah. I mean, but well, before we move on, I just wanted to say that both kind of have this like mystical, mythical feel to it. Yes. And uh, yeah, I enjoyed that. <laughs> Did you like it when the camera flew? Yeah. Like, when they're talking yeah, about yeah, that's uh, and, they yeah. spent, and the camera actually flew. It's yeah, so sick. I, I like that kind <laughs> and of also stuff. I like it. The audacity to drop your, your film's uh, title card 70 minutes. Oh my in. god, yeah. I forgot about that. So cool. That was like, awesome. Just yeah. so awesome. And then him, remember when we walked into the theaters, like mm-hmm. he, he puts on the, the glasses. for you to put the... on your glasses. Yeah. Is, or <laughs> your, you as the audience to put on your glasses. Yeah. So cool. Yeah, so awesome. awesome. Yeah, it kind of diminishes like if you're watching without 3D because there's such a big difference. Mm-hmm. And I love the idea of incorporating 3D into the dreamscape. You know, when it's physical, when it's in front, that's real, even though that's the dream. But well, it's like a dream feels 3D. Yes. Like yeah, a dream, dream feels video. real when you're in it, right? Yeah. yeah. I think more movies should do that, have like a part yeah. that's 3D. That was always fun when you would be like... That's always fun. Glasses. And it doesn't feel like a gimmick because it feels thematically like mm-hmm. relevant to like... And I love the idea of him sitting in a cinema and him drifting off into a dream by watching a movie. So cool. <laughs> so meta. Remember when um, everything was like a version of it and then a 3D version of it? There would be two showings. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. What happened to that? <laughs> it just kind of went away. Yeah, what happened to that? <laughs> no one went. Yeah. Nobody makes... Like, I don't think 3D movies are that even bi- that big of a thing anymore. Yeah. Like, nobody no. even sticks to it. Like, maybe... Back then, we still have, like, Piranha 3D and the slasher films are still trying to do that. 3 double D. Yeah. None of... That doesn't... Straight up doesn't exist anymore. We just don't do that. Maybe because, like, theaters aren't dead. Nobody goes anymore, but still. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, shall we take a break? Yeah, let's do it. To join us when we're back. <laughs> and we're back. And now, on to my personal favorite segment. Are we going to rate it? How many reels? Seven reels, folks. Seven reels. We can't always get the same rating because we talk about. Okay, good okay. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna do five for Russian arc, two mm-hmm. for a long day's journey into night. And I'm, mm-hmm. I, I was gonna do. Oh, that. God damn. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it would be different. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I. It's not that I didn't enjoy long journey into. Mm-hmm. I, but I feel like the a lot of the stuff that makes it so unique is stuff that I didn't isn't accessible to me as a viewer, and right. also yeah, it's a cultural barrier. Yeah, I think. and also when you when I have to read subtitles, I get to m- miss a lot of the visual stuff. Although this was the second viewing, mm-hmm. I still had to like read it. So if I had watched it like you know the day after again, I would have enjoyed mm-hmm. it visually much more. But the other one, I think, was a bit more engaging in terms of, like, the history mm. stuff and uh, all that. The history yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah, I understand. Yeah, but I, I enjoyed both, to be honest. It's hard to... I mm-hmm. just did that to mix it up. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, mine's the same. Well, yeah. what's your reasoning? <laughs> well, you can't give the exact same. It kind of is the same. <laughs> all right. <laughs> it is. It's just a barrier that, like... I'm sure Western films do it, but it's just kind of... Mm-hmm. You just don't experience it as, as much. Yeah. For me, I'll have to go with the traditional four and three. Yeah, um, I would have gone four and three. I have, to which I'm, way? 
I prefer Long Day's Journey into Night because、right. I love Noir and I love、oh, the way the director、uh, okay. approaches everything.、Um, it's such a wonderful, it's such a cool take on it. It's like, ah,、uh, like it doesn't, and nothing really happens. It's more Noir than most Noir films in that, like, you don't get catharsis. You just, the mystery stays the mystery. The woman stays out of your reach.、Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so cool. Well, then, it's、uh, so cool. I love the Tarkovsky、yeah. references. Yeah. Russian Ark, I also love. Also, really, I just appreciate the scale. Both of these films have such scale in like their、yeah. one takes. It's not just like moving from one room into the other. So much stuff happens, right? In Russian Ark, you see the parades. You see like so many historical events take place. And in Long Day's Journey Tonight, he goes sky like sky rappling. The camera literally flies. And then like there's like the there there's a、uh, they play a ping pong game. There's a billiards game. And you think about if they just mess up one little element, the shots ruined. And like to think that it all comes together, it's so meticulous. I just love the, I I love it. It's filmmaking, right? Like it's 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 a, and it's a huge flex, I think, in terms of from from a creative standpoint. So yeah, four. That's my rating. Which brings us to wait, what we watched this week or recommendations first? What we watched. What have we watched、uh-huh. this week?、Mm-hmm. Yusuf, whatever you watched this week. So、uh, I watched、uh, the first episode of the Beatles documentary. Yes. Yeah. What do you think? I I'm enjoying it so far. I'm really enjoying、mm-hmm. what it is,、mm-hmm. and I, I get the criticism though. Sometimes it can feel like there's the a、criticism? lot of filler. You know that there's like、mm-hmm. a lot of moments that it's just like it's not criticism from like think pieces and stuff. It's mostly just like average people on Twitter or whatever、mm-hmm. would be like, oh,、uh, here's what you need to know to act like you actually watch the whole thing, stuff like that. But it's it's fun because you get to like see the creative process of essentially what a the the kind of first band like it's the Beatles right it's like they invented so much stuff they invented a band breaking up someone said that they were like that was kind of what it had happened like the, the bands didn't break like no one cared if a band broke up or a band stopped playing like that was a、mm-hmm. that was like an actual thing that happened and was televised and、uh, and do you kind of see that happen in the documentary yeah yeah you definitely do see that happen and、uh, especially by the end I I honestly I gotta like I don't know. Peter Jackson, I think, is gonna be remembered for this as well as the Lord of the Rings because it's so well、really? done. I think it's so well done. I don't know how he got like the stuff. The footage and like- no, but but yeah, like you know, like selecting what he did select and how、mm-hmm. he edited it was、uh, right. really really well done. I think. I think it's it's a good filmmaker. Yeah, it's a great documentary. It's like you're hanging out with them, and they're all like,、mm-hmm. just damn, it's so weird. It's so weird. It's like、uh, that's what. I, if it these would only be better if it was like one take, <laughs> but that you feel like you're <laughs> just hanging out with them. And it's so strange to be、mm-hmm. like, oh, that that's what Paul does. Does it? John's like. So you, I, I'm, I'm, my guess is like you find a filler stuff interesting, right? Because it's like all these little glimpses into who they yeah. are. Yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, I like that stuff. I like seeing his coat,、uh, you know, cling to the chair and him try to get it、mm. off and. He struggles with it, and I like the.、Uh, there was something so funny to me about like、uh, the second episode. I only watched like the first one, and then I started、mm-hmm. the second one, and then I couldn't finish. But they,、um, I mean, this might be a spoiler, but I mean, you already know、That's、they、okay. broke up, and you know, <laughs> but <laughs> but、uh, George leaves, and then the the following episode is like.、Uh, 
all but one beetle came to the studio the next day and then <laughs> just cuts to the door and it's Ringo walking and I was like okay so no one came really and it made me laugh so hard it's like <laughs> that doesn't really count as like a productive. Why? <laughs> I mean, because I mean, I don't, I don't want to shit talk him. He's a nice, he's he's probably the most likable of them when you watch the full thing. It seems that way. Like he's the most chill, <laughs> but he's not like exactly the guy who's churning out the hits. So <laughs> I I would say if a George had walked in, I would have been like, oh, okay, something's gonna get he done. Cares, like, if he, Paul had walked yeah. in, I would have been like, okay, every, like the, they're on schedule. If John had walked in, I'd be like, they're still on schedule. But Ringo again is like, just this day is gone. <laughs> like nothing's gonna be of that. Even if he had like wrote what three songs. What's he gonna songs. do? Drum like a song out? Yeah, and even uh, he knows how to play other instruments. Even if he had done that, they would probably be like, okay, th- that's kind of interesting. But you know, let's get to the real stuff. So I, I don't know. I found that so funny. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a great watch. Okay, cool, cool, cool. I'm 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 very excited to go to get get to it. Michelle, have you watched anything? Yeah. Yeah. I watched. Artificial intelligence on the plane. Ooh. Ooh, Spielberg getting ready for West Side Story. Yeah. I'm very excited for West Side Story. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure yes, that's, that's the, the exactly logic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 was, uh, was it just on the plane, so you were like, I want to check this out, or what? Yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. It was all right. It's like, I don't... I know that the little boy looked mm-hmm. really familiar, but I couldn't place him. I couldn't exactly Google him mm-hmm. over what else he's been in as an adult. Mm-hmm. And I never bothered to afterwards. Mm-hmm. So he looks familiar to me, but I don't know who he is. And that's Haley Joel Osment. He's a guy no in the Sixth Sense. Oh, yeah, it is. See, I knew that's where I knew him. Yeah. And the very young Jew Law. I just thought it was all right. I yeah. really liked I thought it. thought it was a bit weird. Did you know that this was Kubrick was originally yeah. going to make it and Spielberg took it over? So the Kubrick production. Did that? Did they say that? Yeah. Oh, cool. The opening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I kind of want to rewatch this to see how much of him because it's such like Kubrick and Spielberg are such. I guess if you on a surface level, like the exact opposite of each other. But they right? both like sci-fi. They both, yeah, they both like science yeah, fiction. But okay, so I watched this with Jan in theaters again. They were re-releasing it or some for some reason. Mm-hmm. So we went and saw it, and you definitely do get that this is a Spielberg movie that. Yeah, this was a Kubrick movie that Steven Spielberg took over. Like, there are still elements in mm-hmm. there that feel... Do you feel like there's a conflict? I mean... Between, like, the I, two artistic voices? I personally thought it didn't it work. It can't because one's dead. Okay, oh, yeah. yeah, one is dead. That's true. <laughs> but I, I mean, I, I thought it didn't work. I thought it was like, uh, you know, when we watched uh, Intolerable Cruelty or something. Not It wasn't like... I mean, mm. not like that, but, like, I mean, like, it's hard to come up with something off the top of my head. But, you know, it just didn't, like feel right so whatever it feels like the last huge swing spielberg took creatively well yeah i would say because if you think about what he made afterwards Tintin, bridge of spies and like eh. i wish like he made more more, more ambitious projects like this oh like, he made something else after ai ready player one <laughs> no, no, no i think no. munich is honestly his best movie since <laughs> like and then like I, I still think munich is james sti- and the giant peach he didn't make that. He made a BFG. Oh, wow. Yeah. Close. What does the BFG stand for? Big Friendly. Big Friendly. Okay, not what I think. He made Minority um, Report next year. 
That was cool. Yeah. I like that. That was good. He had, and then he got sci-fied out. <laughs> yeah. No, he made War of the Worlds in 2005. Oh. Uh, that was good too. It's a, that's a, that's a, that's the best uh, post 9-11 movie, I think, in terms of depicting like that sense he of like the time. He didn't do Super 8, did he? No, that was J.J. Abrams trying to be Spielberg. Uh, Spielberg produced it. And kind of succeeding. Like the first 20 mm-hmm. minutes of Super 8 is like the best part in the movie. It's just when he, like the kids are just trying to make a movie. Like that's the best part. I've never um, seen War of the World. It's good. I think like some of the filmmaking stuff, it's really like captures that sense of like, you know, the terror of a terror attack. It's great. Um, is it uh, so, Michael Clayton good? It's not Michael Clayton good. Oh, okay. Um, I'm kind but they're very different types of movies. I know, I know, but it's one of those movies where I missed. Michael Clayton is like a very serious episode of Suits. It's a very serious and very good episode of Suits. Yeah. <laughs> You've watched two episodes of Suits. <laughs> yeah, but it's basically about this. He's, he's basically the same character as like Harvey. <laughs> okay. He solves problems as a lawyer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's like Ray um, Donovan. <laughs> <he's> like, <laughs> yes, like Ray Donovan. <laughs> I watched while well, Michelle and I we finished watching The Great. Oh yeah, oh, nice. Um, that's kind of all I watched. This it's okay. It worked well with Russian art. Yeah. It worked really well with Russian art because it's about Catherine the Great. Only this time, this is very much a fictionalized story. Like it gets it uh, breaks away further and further from reality. The, the longer the seat, the more the show goes on. But it's to a. I thought it was pretty okay. I liked it. I ended up liking it quite a bit, especially towards the end. I felt the first half of the season was very meandering and found like um, elf like they made Catherine the Great seem not very great and in fact kind of stupid most of the time, which I didn't really appreciate. I was like, come on, she's like she ran a country for decades. Like you kind of make her sound seem a bit smarter than like however, just the way you're depicting her. And it by the end of the season, it completely is its own thing. Like breaks away from history based on just like what happens. Uh, but I, I overall quite enjoyed it. This is created by the same guy who wrote the favorite, and you can tell that you keep saying that, and it isn't. Oh, it's he he no, it's the same guy who wrote it. Are you sure? Yes, I'm a hundred percent. I'm sure you said this last time, and it wasn't. It it was. It's the same guy who wrote. Not saying I would direct it. That's Logos Lafrenos or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, and you can see some of the similarities. Apparently, like he was writing, I was like hoping the show would be grander and expand its scope of like you know actually running a huge nation well, called it's Russia. Meant to be set in the Hermitage. Exactly, but then uh, it ended up being. I think it's because of COVID restrictions, they can't do a lot of the big scenes they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So I can say, okay, so they were like trying to. A lot of rewrites had to happen, and they had to refocus the scope of the show. Which I think in the end they still managed to kind of pull off a decent second season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we move on. So we move on. We should move on. Sorry. Okay. What are our recommendations? Michelle, do you want to go first? I recommend Samsara. Ooh. Which <laughs> feels just Why? as random. <laughs> That's just as random. Well, no, it's just like a load of clips. Although I don't like the bit where they go into the chicken factory and kill all the chickens. That made me cry. Oh, no. But I thought it's... Because it just, like, meanders through life mm-hmm. with a load of clips with no narrative. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a Warner, but a different way. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Cool. My recommendation is the same director as what I recommended last week. Uh, it's called Sunset. It is a 2018 historical drama film. And much like Russian Ark, it's very much a con- a um, trying to 
figure out how we got here. The director described it as a movie about the, mo the exact moment the old Europe chose to commit suicide. And I don't think there's any better way to put it. Like it's, um, it's great. It's, it's like Russian arc. You're, you're kind of getting the idea that you're watching an end of something, an, an age coming to an end, a period of European austerity being drowned out by the war, by the great war that happened, that follows. And maybe it's worth it. Maybe it should end. Right, every, um, because behind all that beauty, there's a lot of ugliness, and maybe we should just let the darkness take over. Um, I love it. It's the only film I ever bought on YouTube because it, I can't find it anywhere else to be purchased. So, hence my recommendation. Yusuf. I'm gonna recommend True Detective season one, episode four. <laughs> I, Why episode four? Because there's that one shot in it. Remember? Oh, when Matthew McConaughey has to yeah. go into, into the crack den. Yeah, and I thought that was really Gary Fukunaga. Cool. That was a pretty. That was really awesome, cool. Awesome one shot. Um. Mm -hmm. So yeah, just watch True Detective okay. episodes one to three to figure out what's going on, and then watch. Four. And then maybe watch season three. Yeah. And skip season two. Yeah. Because season two was a mess. Oh, wow, that show. Jesus. Um, but not an interesting mess. <laughs> it's. An, I think it's an interesting mess. It's almost like it's a severe overcorrection from season one mm -hmm. with like it feels like him trying and, and i think he bit off a little more than he can chew because you know how season one of true detective is so focused on the just these two pair mm -hmm. that's just about their relationship season two has like five main characters and the story is kind of all over the place trying to follow all mm -hmm. of them and give them the same amount of death and character that you know he gave the characters in season one you're just gonna go on long tangents about anything that gets brought up. <laughs> i'm sorry yeah <laughs> and season three kind of overcorrects about okay it. Right, okay never mind. well all right what are we watching what are we watching week? next week <laughs> okay we're watching xavier dolan's uh, i killed my mother and daisies by vera chitalova and i don't know what the theme will be it's kind of like they're both creative <laughs> You're both kind of art experimental in our house. I mean, how I'm no, I keep wanting to say how I met your mother, but it's I killed my mother. <laughs> oh. We're watching how I met your mother, folks. Watching. It's Enjoy not the that experimental. It's just got like clips where it becomes experimental, mm -hmm. but the plot isn't. You know, you're, you're you're making it very hard for me to make these posters. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I, oh, I, I honestly mother. like I'm already like dreading what I'm what I have what I have to yeah, do. You have too many options on them. Like I for like yeah. <laughs> like the opening of Daisy is incredible. They like hmm. two girls sat in bikinis like pretending to be like wooden kind of robots, and you hear the creaking when they move the arms. That's pretty cool. Mm. It's really cool. Mm. All right. So, dearest listeners, join us next week for Daisies and I Killed My Mother. Bye. Keep it real. Have a good week. Stay safe. The Seventh Reel is hosted by Arvin Huang, Michelle Hassel, and Yusuf El Bashir. Logo by Joe Conti. Our ad break music is composed by Yusuf Sui Lim. And our outro music is composed by Yahya El Bashir. Thanks for listening.